Hey, 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 people, welcome to another edition of Echo Chamber. So, um, let's get into the UK box office top 10 for the weekend, the 2nd to the 4th of August. At number 10, we've got the Magic Flute which is um, the English National Opera's event cinema screening. At number nine, Horrible Histories, the movie, Rotten Romans. At number eight, Annabelle Comes Home. At number seven, Casino Royale from the Secret Cinema Crew. At number six, Got Yesterday. At number five, Angry Birds, the movie two. At number four, Spider-Man Far From Home. At number three, Toy Story 4. At number two, The Lion King. And straight in at number one, Fast and the Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. Alright, so we just got one review this week, people. So um let's uh let's get prepped for that, right? Okay, people, um this one's to all the horror fans, the Mastonic Institute of Horror Studies, London announces its full lineup of lectures and events. Okay, so the Miskatonic Institute of Horror Studies, the world's longest-running educational organization devoted to the study of horror history, theory and production, is pleased to announce its full 2019 lineup of classes, led by some of the genre's world's most renowned critical literary and filmmaking luminaries. The Miskatonic London unleashes a heady fall semester that includes bad trips and psychedelia in the acid horror of the late 60s and early 70s. The Corridor as a locus of angst and dread in horror film and fiction adaptations and mutations of The Thing and a career talk by filmmaker Gary Sherman, moderated by filmmaker Sean Hogan, in collaboration with Wales Arbitoire Film Festivals. All classes at the regular branches are standalone events. Think a TED Talk but with booze and horror though people can opt to buy a season pass for a discounted price all information will be in the details of this episode okay so you know um this will be taking place at the horse hospital uh which is um in bloomsbury 
so you've got advanced tickets of 12 pounds on the door they're 15 pounds um and the in conversation events are 17 pounds in advance 20 pounds on the door you can get a season pass which is four classes for 45 pounds so um yes go to um go to the episode and you can find out all of the uh you know all the ep- when all of this takes place but i'll give you the dates so thursday the 12th of september 7 till 10 the bad trip uh this is psychedelic horror cinema 1967 to 1972 and the instructor is james riley then thursday the 24th of october 7 till 10 the corridor gothic with um instructor roger lockhurst and then monday the 18th 7 till 10 live from the misotonic gary sherman in conversation moderated by sean hogan uh so um yeah I think that's um oh and there's Thursday the twelfth of December seven till ten things from other worlds adapting transforming and translating the thing instructor Laura May so uh, yeah people they're all your dates now go to the episode for all the information and the links. Some exciting news for the um, upcoming London Film Festival. Well, uh, the closing night premiere has been announced. The 63rd BFI London Film Festival, in partnership with American Express, is thrilled to announce that The Irishman will be this year's closing night gala. Directed by one of the true giants of cinema, Martin Scorsese. The film stars Academy Award winners Robert De Niro, Al Pacino and Joe Pesci. The festival is delighted to bring the work of this iconic filmmaker to the UK for its international premiere on Sunday the 13th of October in London with Martin Scorsese and cast expected to attend. Simultaneous preview screenings of The Irishman will also take place at cinemas across the UK. Now, to be in with a chance, you have to um, enter the ballot, which will uh, be open for um yeah i think priority so the announcements on the 29th of august and then priority bookings take place on the 4th of september for champions and the 5th of september for members and um then public bookings open on the 12th of september so um 
yeah, if you want to become a, um, well, if you, if you are thinking of becoming a member of the BFI, this is always a really good time because, uh, yeah, you, you get that possibility of, um, getting tickets, you know, which is, uh, always a good one. So, um, also, this film reunites uh, Scorsese with his Gangs of New York screenwriter Steve Zillian, who adapts from Charles Brandt's novel I Heard You Paint Houses. The Irishman is a grand scale epic. Um, Examining the influence of organized crime in post-war America. Told through the eyes of World War II veteran uh, Frank Sherman, who's played by De Niro. A hustler and hitman who worked alongside some of the most notorious figures of the 20th century. Spanning decades, the film chronicles one of the greatest unsolved mysteries in American history. The disappearance of legendary Union President Jimmy Hoffa and offers a monumental journey through the hidden corridors of organized crime. Its inner workings, rivalries and connections to mainstream politics. So, um, yeah, I think from all accounts, The Irishman is definitely a film to look out for. It's also a Netflix film. So, um, could this follow, you know, all the work that Roma did last year? All right. Okay, people, now we've got our reads out the way. So let's get to this week's film review. Okay, so this week I decided to um, finally check out Shaft. Uh, yeah, crazy thing. It's the fifth film in the series. But for some reason it's just called Shaft. Along, you know, the same title as the first film. And then the... Um, you know, the the other film which had Samuel Jackson in um back in, you know, early two thousand. I yeah, there should have been a different title. But phew, anyway. Um this film was directed by Tim Story. Uh it's written by Kenya Barris and Alex Barnow. Uh so it is starring Samuel Jackson, Jesse T. Usher, Regina Hall, Alexandra Shipp, um, Richard Roundtree, Titus Welvier, uh, Method Man, he shows up, Isaac DeBankel, uh, Avan Jorge. So yeah, it, it it's got a um, you know, it, it it it's got a it's got a decent enough cast. Ah, the cast is decent enough. 
So the gist of the film is this. In 1989, John Shaft II, his wife, Maya Babanakos, who's played by um, Regina Hall, and his infant son, John J.J. Shaft Jr., survive an assassination attempt by drug lord Piero Gordito Carrera. Concerned that Shaft's lifestyle will put them in danger, Maya leaves him and raises JJ on her own. 25 years later, JJ is an FBI agent um, and, uh, uh, yeah, as well as a cybersecurity expert with a degree from MIT. But to uncover the truth behind his best friend's untimely death, he needs an education only his dad can provide. Absent throughout JJ's youth, the legendary locked and loaded John Shaft Sr. agrees to help his progeny navigate Harlem's heroin-infested underbelly. And while JJ's own FBI analyst badge may clash with his dad's trademark leather coat, there's no denying family. Besides, Shaft Sr.'s got an agenda of his own and a score to settle that's personal and professional. So yeah, that is, um, that's the gist of it all. Like it's rated an 18. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it's not like it's, uh, it's just under two hours, basically. And um, yeah, you know, I was really looking forward to this because I heard about it a long time ago. And yeah, like. I heard Tim's story was attached, and I was like, oh, yeah, cool, Tim's story, he's made, you know, he's made a lot of really good films, but then when I looked into it, no, Tim's story has not made a lot of good films, Tim's story has made films that I hated, <laughs> like, he, you know, Barbershop, hated that, Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, Oy terrible, taxi, terrible, think like a man, ugh, just, yeah, nothing that I've liked, and he's now, like, he's making a new Tom and Jerry film, (sighs) the Monopoly film, it's just, yeah, like, He's directed a few episodes of White Famous that I have heard is good. So I'm going to have to check that out at some point. But yeah, um, that came as a uh, as a surprise. So I was a bit like, oh, <laughs> maybe this isn't going to be the film I'm hoping. And like, so I knew it came out in cinemas in America. But then when this came straight to Netflix, as a bit like, ah, that also doesn't bode well, you know, 
because if it's getting a theoretical release stateside but internationally it's just going straight to streaming there must be some doubts on its performance and uh yeah, I, I you know, when you're waiting 19 years to do a sequel, because the Samuel Jackson shaft came out in 2000, you know, when you're waiting 19 years, I guess, yeah, that that makes it all a little questionable, you know, which, yeah, it's a shame, it really is a shame, um, I mean, like the story itself it's it's just it's just very cliched i i think that's the best thing you can really say about this like you know i guess it's not a terrible film you know i've definitely seen worse but like let's let's look at it for instance right so Black Panther is a huge film, huge successful film, and where it succeeds is it's a film for anyone. It's a film for anyone. Like you, I I saw little kids leaving that that screening, like little white kids, Asian kids, like all of them wanted to be Panther. You know what I mean? Like everyone loved it everyone no matter the race the sex whatever you know and that's you know, that's where i think there's been a distinct difference in filmmaking like a lot of films that are kind of what you would say black films are only really made for black audiences you know and Panther was just made for everyone. Shaft now feels like a very distinctive film made for a black audience. That's, it really does. Like, the acting is very, it's just hammy. It's really, really just hammed up for sure. Jesse T. Usher, oh, like, he is not great in this film. He really isn't. It, like, everything about his role and his performance is, like, caricature. It's all I can say. And, and it's just, like, you know, having, like, Sharp Senior as, like, this, you know, the street detective. So, what do you do? I, if you're really hacky, you write it that... Oh, his son's an MIT graduate. Yo, he's in the FBI, but as a cybersecurity expert. Yo, so he's not on the streets. He hates guns. Yo, he he likes corny music. It was just all just 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 low-hanging fruit that's what this was it's just straight up low-hanging fruit and it's it's just a shame because it could have been a lot better could have been more intelligent 
you know? But they just decided, for some reason, they decided to go down, yeah, this route. And it's just like, I, I was hoping for more. I was hoping for better. Like, you know, the 2000 Shaft, sing, it, it wasn't an incredible film, but at least Singleton, it seemed like he tried with it. You know what I mean? This one, it was just, just seemed like painting by numbers. You know, uh, that was just the, the, just the thing. It was just all paint by numbers. Make the most obvious jokes. Let's let's film these scenes in the most obvious way. Let's have JJ, you know, have a huge crush on his other childhood friend. Oh, and let's make her a nurse. You know, it, it was just all, just, god damn it, just obvious. Just, and even just the way that you kill his other friend, you know. Oh, let's give him an overdose, but, oh, it's way too much to be an overdose. It's just like, really? Like, these people messing with the drugs, they would know. That it would be obvious to give him that much drugs. It's just like. Ah. Just so bad. Like so bad. And there were so many hammy actors in this. Just so many. That like Kareem. You know. Was just hammy. Hammy. Like, Sasha, like, Alexander Ship, you know, she's been better than this. Like, I do honestly think some of it has to be down to the direction on the day. Because there's actors in this who we've seen give far better performances. So it's just like, what? how are they being directed? How are they being told to play these scenes? Because it just wasn't good. Because, like, the best person in this was Richard Roundtree. And he really had basically nothing to do. What, you know, he only turns up at the towards the very end. Hasn't got a whole heap to do. But he's probably the best thing in this film. It's just very disappointing. Very disappointing. Like, I have to say, the way it ends, it does feel like it was done in a way for an obvious, um, you know, sequel or spin-off of some sort, you know? Like, you, you know, you could you could have, if this was really good, you could have spinned it off as another film, or you could have had a TV show. I think a TV show would have probably worked the best. But this just, it's not good. It really isn't good. And, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a shame. It's a real shame. You know, I was hoping for more. I wasn't expecting it to be the best film ever. Like, the original Shaft isn't the best film ever. It's exploitation, but it's fun. 
it, it, it it's fun and it's got this kind of it's just got this vibe about it you know it's got this vibe got this energy and this has no vibe it has no energy that's the thing it's just lacking a soul it's lacking a spirit that's the problem with this film um but listen right if you want a mindless film that you don't have to think about hey this is on netflix it's gonna be there for a while i presume uh so you can watch it whenever you feel but yeah it, it it's it's not gonna it's not gonna rock your world unfortunately but there you go all right so it's um yeah it's a uh, shaft on netflix people okay people so as we draw to the close of another episode let's um look at a little bit of film news that has hit this week so it's now been confirmed that andy circus is going to be directing the venom sequel um the first film made 856 million dollars at the global box office so it you know we all knew that a sequel was coming although the film itself was kind of meh it's kind of middling you know um tom hardy will be returning as eddie brock um and the film is going to be written by Kelly Marcel. Uh, there's no real word when it will be coming out. Um, or when it's actually going into production. But uh, yeah. They're working on the script right now. And it has been said that Hardy is involved in the script writing. Which... Um, yeah i don't know i don't know i always think it's a little it can be a bit problematic when actors get involved with the scripts but uh yeah we will we'll see what happens with that um yeah in some interesting news so lucas films is going to be making um yeah, they're going to be making their first non-Star Wars film since being um, purchased by Disney. And that film is going to be... Um, yeah, it's going to be Blood and Bone, which is um, an adaptation of Tommy Adiemi's epic young adult action fantasy children of blood and blown um yeah so k oyegon who's um yeah known for this is us has signed a deal to write the script um and rick famioi who um directed dope 
is going to be directing this film. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. So the book follows the first of the legacy of Orsha novel series. The story follows heroine Zeli Adabola as she attempts to restore magic to the kingdom of Oisha, following the ruling class uh, Koshidian's brutal suppression of the class of magic practitioners. Zeli belongs to the Magi. So yeah, I mean, hey, from all accounts, the book is really good. So uh, yeah, this could be very interesting. And um, finally, Disney has had four of the biggest, well, four of, yeah, the biggest films of 2019. But they have still had to um, eat a a loss of 170 million um, in the last quarter, which is, um, yeah, I think uh, it's, it's part of the whole purchase of Fox. So, yeah, um, in a recent call to uh, shareholders, I got... Um, yeah, he basically said the Fox Studio performance was well below where it had been and well below where we'd hoped it would be when we made the acquisition. He confirmed um, Disney co-chairman Alan Horn and Alan Bergman will be working with Fox executive Emma Watts to consolidate and to cut back on the number of Fox releases so as to focus on the kind of release that we hope would come out of that studio. Um, he also, you know, he also kind of let people know that this isn't going to be a quick fix. So he said, it will probably take a solid year or two years before we can have an impact. Obviously, it takes longer on the developmental side, but an impact on the films that are actually in production. We're all confident that we're going to be able to turn around the fortunes of Fox live action. And you're going to see these results in a couple of years. Um, like. In the last few years, Fox has been, rele been releasing between 12 and 16 films. And that's thought to be... It, it will probably be cut to 10 films a year. Uh, one of the big problems and a big part of the debt is the, the, the most recent X-Men film, Dark Phoenix, that really underperformed... Yeah, really underperformed. It was the lowest of the X-Men films and made a huge loss. So, um, yeah, you know, I imagine, you know, the year's not up. So there's going to be more Disney films coming. They're not going to hurt too badly. <laughs> They're not going to hurt too badly this year. It's all going to be fine. 
But yes, people, that's it for another episode of Echo Chamber. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week, all right? Peace.